Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. My voice is back. I feel better now. And thank you, Father Charles Murr, for joining us on this Monday morning here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back yourself, Terry. Yeah. You're, you're, you're back almost from the dead. Good yeah. Lord, yeah. you've been I, sick. Yeah, I was down for the count. But you know what? One of the things it does to help you realize how fragile health is when you get sick and you go, wow, I can barely get out of bed. I can barely do this. You, know, you offer it all to Jesus through Mary. I get all that. But it's a wake-up call as you get older and older to realize that you know sickness will come and there will be a time where I won't recover. You know, that uh, I'll have Terry, you know, I keep, I, the older the older I get, I couldn't agree with you more. The older I get, I, yeah. those words of our Lord to St. Peter keep coming back. One day you'll stretch out your your arms and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the scriptures. Well, today we have uh, we have the season of Lent coming up on the 14th of February, which is Valentine's Day. And I, I remember this happening a couple times in my recollection it happened on valentine's day and i thought well that's an appropriate day i mean uh you know we have the heart the love for god we have our love for our wives or families i get all that but um i want to today discuss a little bit with father murr uh, how to prepare for lent in other words how do we stay focused and that we you know who knows father murr this might be my last lent on this planet it might be your last lent on this very well could be we don't know so if it is, and it, why don't we act like this could be the last one? And I'll tell you why I suggest that is it really makes us more focused on the Lenten season because there's no guarantee, like I said, that we'll have another one. So let's make the most of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had My engineer just said we had a priest, Father Chris Tuig, an Irish priest who was very traditional and— um, he, uh, he said, every time, time I say Mass, I try to think that this could be the last time I offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Yeah. Now, now, this was a priest who would come in an hour before Mass, for the 6.30 Mass, get on his knees in the church and pray. And uh, he gave me an example. I served his Masses. He's, he really, I said, well, if he can get up early an hour before Mass and pray, you know, why can't I? He's an older guy. And see, this is he leads by example. He didn't have to tell me to come early. No, he led by example. So these are the examples we need for today. But before we get into talking about the Lenten season, we have the gospel of the day. And if you notice this liturgical year right now, we're going through the gospel of Mark, which Mark is very direct. So I want to read the gospel of Mark chapter 8, verse 11 to 13, and then let Father Murr give us his commentary on it, or as they say, exegesis. In other words, explain it. My exegesis, yes, that's a, that's a $5 word. You know, I, I say that with that way. I say, what, what was that, you know? Uh, explain the gospel. All right, here it comes. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus. Not a good thing to do. And not, to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from their depth of his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Praise Jesus. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Jesus Christ. Don't argue with our Lord. Go ahead, Father. 
<laughs> no, I guess not. I guess not. It's not a good thing, I think. Are we still, are we on? Yeah, we're on. And I just wanted to get your take on how does oh, that yeah. apply? I mean, I think about Jonah and the whale and, you know, I think yes. all these connections from Old Testament to New Testament and that it seems even today, Father Murr, 2024, how many people say, give me the sign, give me the sign? Well, you know, you know what, Terry, the, 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 the thing about those signs let me take you back to my childhood. Good. I, I remember I, I remember fervently praying in front of a statue of the Blessed Mother. Uh-huh. I can still I can still see it. Yeah. In church. Yeah. I was just a little kid. I think like uh I don't know, eight or nine years old. And you know what I asked for? Tell me. Her hands were like this. Yeah. Right? I said, just wiggle a finger. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> just just wiggle a finger. Just that'll be enough. Yeah. That'll be enough. Just give me a sign that you're listening to me. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a kid saying of that? Of course I, I can. And I looked, I looked with I looked with all my focus to yeah. see if she, she didn't she didn't wiggle a finger. Yeah. So here, what what I think the signs are about. The signs our Lord's our Lord gives those miracles. Yes. Signs is another way of seeing of saying a miracle. Uh there were a lot of evil people who wanted to see miracles. King Herod said, show me a miracle. Do some magic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, show us something. He didn't. Nope. The miracles that our Lord performed weren't for the evildoers. That they could see how powerful he was. That wasn't what it was about. He showed his miracles to the poor, to the weak, to the sick. Right. To those people, he, he he performed those miracles. Not for show. Not for show. As a matter of fact, that was one of the temptations, or one of the temptations, many of the temptations in the desert that the devil gave our Lord, right? Yeah. Do this. and then, Right? Right. It, it's written that you, that you can do anything. Send your legions down. You can send send all your angels down to protect you if you want to. Do, do that. No, why would our Lord waste his time doing performing a miracle for the devil's benefit? Right? That's it. He shows miracles to those he loves and to those he wants to uh he wants to get out of suffering, out of misery, right? Yeah. When he chooses to do it. Right. But he doesn't do it as a as a performance. And and that's it. They're asking people, show us a miracle. You know, do some magic. Make the Empire State Building disappear. Come on. You know, no, that's not what he's about. It's not what he's about. You got it wrong. Got the wrong guy. Yep, yep, very good. And, Father, I, I say this about the gospel, that uh, this is a short gospel of Mark. I'm wondering for Lent, you know, we do we talk about spiritual exercises for Lent. I, I can't see why it wouldn't be just a great idea to go through one of the gospels for Lent. And I mean, it's a short read. But to reread scripture over and over again, you're always going to get benefits from it. I, I love this little book I have here in the Gospel of Mark, and I'll read what it this is this is from the Augustan Institute. And they have they have a, a a summary of this beautiful book of Mark. And I thought about it. It says that if the world was in a world full of chaos, yeah. That world full of chaos and disorder, you bet, in the church even. It's reassuring to know that God has a plan 
to deal with sin and evil. Jesus came to announce this divine plan, and he's now in effect. It's time to repent, time to believe. The first disciples heed this call. They dropped their nets and followed him. We are all called to do the same. And why do I bring this up about reading the Gospel of Mark? Because the Gospels are all meant about our own conversion, about turning our life over to Christ. So it seems to me that Lent's a really good time to open up the Bible and reread the Scriptures and ask yourself as you read those Scriptures, how is this applying to my life and how can I better imitate Jesus Christ in the Gospels that I'm reading? So it seems to me that that would be a good exercise for Lent. Your thoughts? You know, Terry, you, you mentioned something before, too. I don't know if you meant it literally, but you said it literally. Was that? Was that? You said, how can we prepare ourselves for Lent? Yeah, I did say that. How can we prepare ourselves for Lent? Right. When Lent is a preparation. Yeah. All right. Lent is itself is a preparation. But it's it's funny that you say that. Okay. Because I I, I say the Tridentine Latin Mass every day, right? Yes. Right. Well, I use I use a different calendar. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, septuagesima and sexagesima and quintagesima Sundays. We have, we've already begun pre-Lent. Well, we did too in the Anglican uh, tradition, pre-Lent. Oh, you, yes. good. All right. It's very it, similar. We're, 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 you know, this is such a serious time of the year yeah. that it we're preparing ourselves to prepare ourselves. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. But, it, but you know what it does? Tell me. It makes you get ready for Ash Wednesday. Rather than having Ash Wednesday just happen, yeah, it makes sense. Right? Yeah, so yeah, you're you're working up to it, so you understand the the seriousness of the preparation, and this whole preparation of Lent, we know, is to get to the to the three most sacred days: the crucifixion. Yes. Uh, well, actually, actually, the the, the Holy yeah. Thursday, yeah. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Right. Right. That's what it's all about. And it is all about carrying your own cross. Amen. It's 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 participating in the sufferings of Christ uh, in your own flesh, and it is about don't let Father uh, Father Father Relevant and Sister Mary Snowflake kid you. Exactly. This is not about doing good works and this and that. You can always do good works. You can yep. always do good works. Of course. You can do them during Lent or out of Lent, but Lent is a time for you to humble yourself, to mortify yourself, to mortify mortify the, the flesh. Yeah. It's time for to do a sacrifice. I keep telling this when I had the when I had the orphanage. Tell us I, I used to this is a fantastic time of the year because I'd give a pep talk to the kids. All right, you're gonna give something up. I want, I want I want to hear this about the orphanage because these are okay, great stories. Ahead. We hear the music, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. With Father Charles Murr, it's a Monday. Lent will begin. Keep that in mind. We'll be back with more. Stay with us. Back to the Terry and Jesse show. Father Charles Murr is going to tell us a wonderful story about the orphanage he was running in the late 1970s. 
And uh, Father, I want to make sure you get that story in because I love the stories of the children there. Sure. It began in the 70s through the 80s and into the 90s. Wow, I didn't know. Really... The, the, and, and, and so many of those, so many of the, the, those kids are, uh, write me and call me and it's, it's, it's remarkable. They're now grandparents. I love it. <laughs> They're not grandparents. Anyway, uh, and I've got to say this. Tell us. I don't know one of them who's not a practicing Catholic. That says it all, and, right? And there were there were there were about three hundred of the kids that went through. During Incredible! My time. What a Please. great track record. Anyway, when when Lent would come around, we always had the same talk: What are you going to give up for Lent? Right. Sure. And they knew it meant it was time to give up something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now this is where this is where I differ in in uh, in approach. Sure. Every day is a day to do charity. Yes. All right. Deny yourself. But not every day is a day to do penance mm -hmm. in, a, in a strict seasonal sense. Got it. And not just yourself. You're doing it in conjunction with everybody else in the church. Yeah. All right. So what are you going to give up? Well, who who would give up chocolate? Who gave up? <clears throat> one of the brave Mexican kids gave up tortillas. Wow. Oh, my God. Table. And and I would actually actually like every Friday I would ask and how are you doing? Mm -hmm. How are you doing with what you gave up? And well, I I, I snuck a candy bar. I fine. Begin again. Yes, begin exactly. again. Just start again. It was so much. It was enjoyable. Yeah. It was enjoyable because I said to each one of them, boys and girls, look, this is a great way to measure yourself. To see how much you're in charge of you. Yes. Right. What do you mean, me in charge? Yeah. <laughs> see how much you're in charge of you. Mm -hmm. I said later on, when you're an adult, there's going to be some different adult temptations that are coming your way. Yep. And some of those can actually be detrimental. Detrimental. They can end in your death. Yes. You can become addicted to alcohol. You can be addicted to drugs. You can be addicted to this and the other. Right now, with a Snickers bar. Yep. is a way to measure yourself with small things see how much you're in control of you well th this is a, this is a good time for that i mean we had another priest we had another priest i remember he, he, his thing was to get as many people uh, to stop drinking during lent mm -hmm. sure good thing <laughs> well after what one of the after one of the masses before lent the man who owned the liquor store across the street came into the sacristy and said, why must it always be liquor? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyway. Yeah. But yes, it's a, it's a time. It's a time to deny yourself something to discipline yourself and to, to take a good look at yourself. Yeah. It's also a time for purification. It's a time to get to confession. It's a time to get closer to the Lord. That's it. It's a time to prepare ourselves for those most sacred of all days during the year the the holy week holy week and the and the the institution of the eucharist the redemption of christ for all, all humanity on the cross uh the resurrection uh the greatest wound the ever inflicted upon the world the resurrection right yeah. all of those great things you know father i just did an interview with father robert spencer uh Yesterday, great man, yeah. great, great, great man. Oh my gosh, he he has a new book called "The Four Levels of Happiness," and he touched upon. He's he's not only great, Terry. Yeah, tell me. He's brilliant, isn't oh, he? He's overwhelming. He's brilliant. I I yeah. I felt like I was Amazing. taking a, a a ten credit course in you know thirty minutes with him. 
It was amazing. Yeah, brilliant. But, he, but he, one of the things he said about happiness, le- different levels, you know, he talked about natural level. Yeah, I like <coughs> having a good meal. That's good. But the, the supernatural level of happiness, a lot of it deals with being able to say no to yourself and yes, yes. to God. So you touched yes. on that. And I thought, you know, a disciplined life is such a key to happiness. Because if you can't say no to yourself, then you say yes to everything and you could be so abused by the world, the devil and the flesh, that you start to realize that you have no purpose. But when you when you discipline your life and say, I offer this up for a higher good, uh, one of the things Father Spitzer was pointing out that people who live on the supernatural level, on the natural level, these are all secular re- reviews, their mm-hmm. happiness level is sky high compared to secular people. So just on the natural level. Oh, sure. Sure. We, we, people who practice our faith, okay, who believe in God and give their lives to Christ and just serve people because not any benefit they're getting, but because they're serving God's people and they're you know, living a, a life centered on God, their happiness is at the top of the food chain. And what's, what I find amusing to me is that the world's looking for happiness in all the wrong places. You got it. You got it. And we've got yes. it right here. The gospel. Yep. So anyhow, yep. that, that to me was very moving. And I want we to... Also, Terry, also, Terry, let me just throw this in Good. for, your, for, your, uh, yeah. for your, uh, your consideration. I told you a hundred times we had... A great, great nun, Sister Wilberta. I had her for first and second grade. Yeah, uh, she was. She was in my. She begins my. The beginning of my book, The Godmother, yeah. is about Sister Wilberta, and, and right. Yeah. And she just died uh, last year. Wow, she was uh, old. So we were in con. We were in contact constantly, and uh, when she read the the Godmother, yeah, she, she phoned me and told me, "I remember that." <laughs> I said, "You should remember." Yeah, it was a big day. Anyway, Sister Wilberta brought this out and I remember I remember I remember so many she was a great great teacher she said the human will is something absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. she's talking to first and second graders I love it this? though yeah and, and we got it of course the, the thing is we all understood this nobody had to talk down to us right we, they talked they talked us up yes right she said the difference between well, then we got into animals and different things and uh, the souls the difference between an animal, mm-hmm. a dog or a cat, everybody knew what a dog and a cat was. Many of them had them as pets at home. They cannot say no to a plate of food. Yeah, that's right. They can't say no. And she said, but all of you can. Beautiful. <laughs> well, I remember trying that once. Yeah. I, I walked away from a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> sure. That's a great story. It only I, I it only lasted ten minutes, and I went back for it. Of course, but however, you, you, for ten minutes, I was able to say absolutely. no. Absolutely, well, that's so, a, that's a start. So it's it's a training also of the will, that's and right. and it is, and it is. It gives a joy when when you can when you can give up something for a higher goal. Look at fathers and mothers of families. Exactly, they give up all sorts of things. That's right. for a higher goal. What's a higher goal? Their children, uh, and it's a joy. There's not a mother in the world in her right mind, anyway, who who isn't joyful when she gives up something <laughs> that her children have more of something. Right, right. Even when even when it com- would come down uh, during terrible times during our history, 
of, of deprivation under Nazis, under yeah. regimes. A mother would go without eating herself, eating it at all, and give that food to her children. Yeah. Right? This is this is a joy. Don't ask me how to explain it, but it is a joy. It's a joy of not take, not taking something for yourself and making sure another has it. This it, is Lent. Yeah. This is Lent. It's what it's all about. Father, am I correct in saying this? I'm gonna throw you a curveball, but I usually do. You know the go ahead. The, the image of the pelican. I noticed that in sacred art at communion rails, they would have images of the pelican, and I understood that the pelican uh, would peck at itself somehow to feed its babies, even when it didn't have food, it would give up part of its own body to feed the uh, babies. And I thought, is that a reason why they put it in sacred art at communion time that our Lord is? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, there's some confusion about that because, and well, let me just put what you're saying was true at the, at the beginning and through the middle ages of the church. I think there's a scientific reason, uh, there's a different reason for it today, or at least a proposal. Yeah. However, yeah. it was believed, and the pelicans do this, with their own beak, yeah. they cause themselves to bleed. Yes. And the chicks drink the blood of the, of, the, of the mother or father. I think also the father pelican can do the same thing. Wow. Uh, for, for the chicks so that they, right. they have the protein to be able to grow. And that symbol is used an awful lot uh, for the Eucharist. Yes, uh, the the sacrificing of of one's own blood uh, for the for the uh, one's own uh, energy yeah. for the for the benefit of the of the of the weaker, yes. which is exactly what Christ is, right? So you'll see you'll see that a lot of, in a lot of churches the pelican and on a lot of vestments you'll see the pelican. It seems very strange to see a pelican on a, on a vestment. I remember the first time I saw it, it didn't make any sense to me, and I looked it up just like you did. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. But again, it's the, like the mother that you said, they make sacrifices for their kids. And, you know, this is um, really, uh, you know, I think Fulton Sheen, and I'll, I'll just bring in Fulton Sheen right now into the mix right now because he has something to say about that. So let's bring in the small Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And this is good. He says, the good man is never sure He's good because he measures himself by the perfect. The evil man is quite sure he's good because he measures himself by himself. And I think about that. <laughs> it's the world we live in. You know, yeah. I get to make up my truth. My truth says, hey, I can do what I want when I want to do it, anytime I want to do it. But we know that uh, we know that when we're measured by Jesus Christ as our model, he's the you know, the God-man, that we have this model to follow. And it seems to me, Father Murr, that that is the difference between the modern man today who lives a life of debauchery and trying to do as much pleasure because he realizes he's only going to get 60, 70 years on this planet, and then he's done. So he who has the most toys wins. But that's not the view of our Catholic faith and to me, I, I see... Actually, things. actually, Terry, Tell me. the view of our Catholic faith is exactly the opposite. Exactly. The man with the, with the least amount of toys right. is the winner. Exactly. And, and you see, that's why, you know, we have without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. You can't be a follower of Christ if your life is all centered around, 
I call it the unholy trinity, me, myself, mm. and I. It's all about me, yeah. baby. No, this is why people are looking for happiness, and we know where that happiness lies. It lies with Jesus Christ, and it lies. This is what's so so beautiful, Father Murr. You love the traditions of the church. I love the traditions of the church. We've seen uh, the traditions of the church be eroded by even men in the church who kind of say, oh, that's passe, that's, let's, let's get with the program. And we start realizing we're one with the world rather than one with Christ. And I think that's the biggest problem in the church today is that we've become one with the world rather than one with Jesus Christ. That's my take you on it. it. When we come back, we'll talk more about Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the the life of Christ also with Bishop Fulton Sheen's book, Stay With His Family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr joining us. It's a Monday Lent's beginning this week. Let's stay focused. I wanted to take the last two segments, if I could, to talk about The Life of Christ by Bishop Fulton Sheen. And then again, I wanted to remind people that spiritual reading is probably one of the greatest things in my life. I love reading books on the spiritual life. I've been taught so much by great men like Fulton Sheen and the saints. And I think that we need to keep that going. So if you haven't got a copy of The Life of Christ, I know that the Word on Fire Classics, Bishop Robert Barron, published this book. And I think you know if you just go to his website, you can pick it up. And I will just remind you, one of the great statements he ever made, and I mean, I don't, like I said, Father, I, I heard him on the radio say, it's a sign of a corrupt church that stops thinking deeply about the truths of Christianity. A church that is against being precise about its teaching is a corrupt church. I quote him all the time on that statement because I think he's spot on because it describes, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, the church today where we're not being specific and clear on its teachings. And if anything, it's all about ambiguity, which is definitely not something we need. And so I I will say this, Father Murray, and I, I know that's a whole can of worms, but the point I'm making is right now we need clarity of what we teach about the faith. And I can't think of a better man than Archbishop Sheen, who there was no ambiguity with his teaching. He made it very clear. And I think one of the reasons he made it so clear <coughs> is his formation with Thomistic philosophy. Do you think that was a, an element in his life that helped him communicate the faith? Father? Oh, I, I, absolutely. His education, his education was fantastic. He took advantage of his education completely. Mm -hmm. He really dedicated himself to learning. Uh, but also, Terry, you mentioned a couple of other things. Yeah. Well, yes, Fulton J. Sheen's education yeah. was 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 very, very, very important to him. But more important than his education uh, was his relationship with the Lord and with our Blessed Mother. And he did that through prayer. Yeah. Prayer was prayer was an integral part of his life. He made time for prayer, absolutely. 
Every day he made a holy hour. Can you imagine? Every single day. You do that, Terry. I do my best you every day, yeah. yeah. You do it. You do it. I, I, I try, but I fail at times because I let the day get away from me. But I, I try. Sure. I try, and then I get back onto it. But he had every day, not a day went by without an hour before the Blessed Sacrament. So it's not just his education, which, of course, was wonderful, but it's also his way of life, his prayer life. And I, I, I told you this before, I think. Tell me. Uh, uh, somebody said to me a, a few years ago, I was giving a course in, in the uh, in the faith, in the faith on, on uh, what they called RCIA, right? Um, and somebody said, you know, when you talk about Jesus Christ, it's as if it's as if uh, you had lunch with him. <laughs> Just that that today in the you know this this afternoon at noon, it, you you speak that well. Well, Fulton J. Sheen had that. Yeah, he had that intimacy with Christ. I didn't have it. I, I there are times I get closer, and sure. sometimes I'm I'm frustrated with myself. But Sheen had it almost as a, as a constant in his life. He knew the will of Christ. He knew what Christ wanted, and he tried him. He tried his best, and he accomplished it, doing what Christ wanted. So he had that that relationship. The Protestants are always talking about a personal relationship, right? With uh, with with Christ, as if it's something new, as if that's a revolutionary idea. It's it's always been in Christianity for our two thousand years of existence, right? Um, you also made a, you made mention of something else, Terry, that I was um, going to comment on. Um, Tradition. Yes. You course. mentioned tradition, and a lot of people don't have time for tradition. A lot of the clergy okay. uh, don't have time for tradition. I think the reason they don't have time for it, Terry, is because they never understood it to begin with. They never, you, when, when, you, when you don't delve into something and find out the reason for it. Here, for example, we were talking about the pelican, right? Right. As an example. Well, had I never looked into that, and had you never looked right. into that, Right. We would say, well, you know, buy new vestments and get rid of all the, these silly <laughs> things. Well, but when you know, when you delve into things yeah. and you understand their you understand their past, their, you understand what people were trying to say by using them, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's it, it, all of a sudden you're enriched. There's beauty. Uh this is what this is what so many uh, so many are having trouble with. They've thrown out everything that is traditional. Every, and, and, and if, Terry, if after 2,000 years we don't have tradition, who's going to have tradition? Are you kidding me? Exactly. Well, tradition is our middle name. Exactly. It has to be. We have a yeah, past. I mean, this is uh, so important. Well, what I'd yeah. like to do now is transition to the life of Christ by Archbishop Sheen for the rest of the show. And this is, again, we were talking last week about John the Baptist and um, his message. And, you know, we know that uh, in, in Mark, uh, we were reading Mark this morning, or first of the show. Here's Mark chapter 1, verse 7 to 8. One is to come after me who is mightier than I, so that I am not worthy to bend down and untie the straps of his shoes. So here's what Sheen says. John considered himself unworthy to untie the shoes of our Lord. But our Lord would surpass him in humility as he would wash the feet of the apostles. The greatness of John, here it comes, consists in the fact that to him was given the privilege of running before the 
chariot of the king and saying, Christ has come. John used symbols as well as words. The chief symbol of the washing away of sin was a cleansing by water. John had been baptized in the Jordan as a token of repentance. But he knew that his baptism did not regenerate or quicken the dead soul. That is why he made a contrast between his baptism and the baptism that later on Christ himself would confer. Speaking of the later, he said, this is Matthew chapter 3, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Your thoughts, Father Murr. That's a, that's a beautiful... Uh, I thought so. You, you know, now listen, look, it's just what we were talking about before, Terry. Tell me. When, it, when, we, when we call something classic, whether it be literature, whether it be music, uh, what have you, it's that you can read it again and again and again and again and again, and every single time it has more meaning. Amen. I've read that, Terry. I've read The Life of Christ by Fulton <laughs> J. Sheen. Mm -hmm. Completely? Yeah. 20 times. Wow. That's more than me. I mean, without exaggerating. No, without exaggerating. Thought. Over the years, I just kept, right? Yeah. Now, that's the first time that I heard that. Isn't that incredible? That's the first that time that I heard that. Talking about talking about John and and uh, John saying, I'm un unworthy to unfasten his sandals. Yes. And to, un to unlace his sandals. Yes. And then Christ actually, not just unlacing the sandals, Getting to the foot. Right, washing the Getting foot. Getting to the foot to washing. That's the first time I've heard that. Isn't that incredible? His insight. It is incredible. Yeah, this is, is what I'm saying. And this is also, this is also for our listeners, this is what happens when you read sacred scripture. Yeah, well said. You can, you can, you, okay, I've heard that gospel a thousand times. Really? Take it apart, sentence by sentence. Take it apart, word by word. You, you'll, you'll always find something new. Always something new. Always something new. Yeah, this is it, right? It's incredible, and I, I just love reading this myself. But uh, Bishop Sheen says the day on which John and Jesus met in the Jordan, there awakened in John the deepest and most relevant humility. John felt the need of a redeemer. Well, I hope we have yes. But when our Lord asked him to baptize him, John was reluctant to do so. John immediately recognized the incongruity of submitting our Lord to a right which professed a repentance and promised cleansing. And then he quotes Matthew chapter 3. It is I, he said, that ought to be baptized by thee. And dost thou come to me instead? How could he be baptized, Fulton Sheen says, one who had no sin? His refusal to baptize Jesus was a recognition of his sinlessness. Good point. And then he quotes Matthew chapter 3. But Jesus answered, Let it be so for the present. It is well that we should thus fulfill all due observance. Oh my gosh. Yeah, why is Christ being, that's a very good theological question. Yeah. Why is our Lord being baptized at all? Right. 
Why in the world? The sinless, right. the sinless, no spotless victim. Why in the world would he be baptized? And and uh, Thomas Aquinas, and of course, Sheen uh, repeats yeah. that. Uh, Christ is baptized in the name of all of humanity. Yep. In our name, mm -hmm. he's baptized, yep. right? This is it. Not that he needs baptism, for goodness sake. Right. There were there were only there were only two people in the entire universe. There were, there are, and there always will be only yeah. two people: our Lord and our Blessed Mother, who didn't need baptism at all. You know, Bishop Sheen talks about the object of his baptism was the same as the object of his birth, namely, to identify himself with a sinful humanity. Boy, exactly. Had not exactly. Isaiah foretold that he would be numbered with the transgressors in effect our lord was saying suffer this to be suffer this to be done it does not seem fitting to you but in reality it is a complete harmony with the purpose of my coming christ was not being that a private person but a representative of sinful humanity through himself without sin wow exactly. well said bishop exactly. sheen we come back, we'll talk more about the life of Christ and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr, this is a Monday before Lent. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Actually, it's Father Charles Murrow sitting in on a Monday for Jess Romero. And I just love uh, discussing our Catholic faith, especially with Fulton Sheen with his book called Life of Christ. And we're going through John the Baptist. And, the, and this is such an interesting topic. He, uh, Bishop Sheen says, Every Israelite who came to St. John or the Baptist made a confession of his sins. Mmm, that's interesting. It is evident that our blessed Lord did not make any such confession. And John himself admitted that he had no need for it. He had no need to sin, to repent of, and no sin to be washed away. But he was identifying himself with all sinners at the same time. When he went down into the river Jordan to be baptized, he made himself one with sinners. The innocent can share the burdens of the guilty. Wow. If a husband is guilty of a crime, it is pointless to tell his wife not to worry about it or that it is no concern of hers. It is equally absurd to say that our Lord should not have been baptized because he had no personal guilt. I love Bishop Sheen's analogies. Uh -huh. If he was to be identified with humanity, so much so as to call himself the Son of Man, then he had to share the guilt of humanity. And this was the meaning of the baptism by John. It, does it get any clearer? I mean, what a great commentary on that. You know, Terry... Uh, uh, a couple of minutes ago, I was telling you about Sister Wilberta. Of Remember? Yes, of course. All right. My first and second grade teacher. Yeah. All right. We had a discussion 40 years later. Wow. 
40 years later about something she taught me in second grade that, that I remembered. And what was that? <clears throat> I don't know if I asked it or if one of the other students asked it. In my memory, I asked it, but it was a question I had. She said that Christ, uh, she was talking about Christ in the garden yeah. of, of, uh, of olives, sweating blood. Mm -hmm. And I remember that being very, very odd sounding, very odd sounding. That made no sense to me at all. And I, it, I, I think it was me, but uh, somebody asked, uh, why? Why? And she answered, because it was natural to fear death. Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, Terry, this is this is an eight or nine year old mind. Wow, that didn't sound right to me. Right? Why? You know why it didn't sound right to me? Is it just a minute? The guy is God, and he's afraid of death. Just a minute. No, 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 no. I'm Something's out. wrong. Yeah. Well, I was still groping with the idea that of being fully God and fully man, right? Right. Which is something that I, which is something that I accept totally. Sure. But if you ask me to to explain it perfectly well, I still can't. None of us. It's can. a mystery. Exactly. Now, I disagreed with her years later, many years later, and I told you we just we got in touch after I wrote the Godmother, so it was uh, not nine, What was it? Twenty. 2015, 2016, that I, that I contacted her again. And I said, do you remember saying, and she said, well, I don't remember saying it, but yes, that's, that, that's, that would be right. Yeah. I said, I said, well, I don't think it is right. <laughs> and she said, and why would that be? I, I said, because, because he was offered a chalice that, that, that sweating blood has to do with the chalice that he was offered. Mm -hmm. And she said, all right. And what about it? I said, well, did you ever ask yourself what was in that chalice? Because he didn't want to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> she said, well, actually, no, I've never. I said, well, yeah. I said, well, I have. I've asked myself. And I've come to the conclusion, and I've seen it in, 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 in theologians, yeah. especially the fathers of the church, stating that in that chalice that the angel brought down for him to drink before his passion and death right. were all of the sins of the world. Incredible. The sins from Adam and Eve until the last human being on earth. Incredible. And he drank the guilt of all of that and took it on himself. Wow. That's what he was afraid of. Yeah. That's what he feared because you have the you have omnipotent, all good, all holy, all pure God. Yeah. Taking on all evil. Wow. Into himself and paying the price for it the next day on the cross. This is what he this is what he feared. He feared that evil. Wow. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. So she said she said she said to me, you know, it's a good thing. She said, I always wanted a student who would become a priest and a theologian. <laughs> <laughs> what a great that one. That's beautiful. Yeah. Father, this is so insightful there. I love that his comments about the chalice. All right. Here's my uh, final thought for the show. He said, many years before, Bishop Sheen said, 
he had said that he must be about his father's business. Now, he was revealing that his father's business was the salvation of mankind. Right. He was expressing his relationship to his people on whom behalf he had been sent. In the temple at the age of 12, it had been his origin that he emphasized now in the Jordan, it was the nature of his mission. In the temple, he had spoken of his divine mandate under the cleansing hands of John. He made clear his oneness with humanity. Later on, our blessed Lord would say, the law and the prophets lasted until John's time. Luke chapter 16, 16. You know, those things I, I really I, I ponder. I mean, that this is not something you just go read right over and you go, okay. Um, basically, Fulton Sheen says he meant that the long centuries had borne faithful witnesses to the coming of the Messiah, but now a new page was turned. A new chapter was written. From now on, he was to be merged with the sinful population. He was committed henceforth to live among and the minister unto the victims of sin, to be portrayed into the hands of sinners, and to be accused of sin, though he knew no sin. As in his infancy, he was circumcised as if his nature was sinful. So now he was baptized, although he had no need of purification." Father Murph. All in the name of humanity. Yes. All in the name of all in the name of humanity. All in our name. Does yes. this blow you away, or exactly. is it? Exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. reading this and going, what insights does Fulton Sheen have about our Lord, and you know how does this apply to us again, 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 and again? Our Lord came to redeem. I mean, think about this. If you were the only person on the planet, Father Charles Murr, Jesus Christ would die on the cross, go through all of this for one soul. I thought and Terry, that. Terry, this is something that we're, we're forgetting today because so. we talk so much about the humanity of Christ. I think you're right. We, we, we talk so much about the humanity of Jesus. Jesus this, Jesus that, up, right. up, 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 and all about his humanity. And that's wonderful. Yeah. But we must never lose sight of his divinity. Exactly. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're not getting the, we're not, we're not getting it. It's yeah. not that we're getting half of it. We're not getting it at all. And the, and the reason that he could do that. Yes, tell me. How do you die for all of humanity? Yeah, really? How? How do you how do you die for all of humanity? Yeah. Be God, and then you can figure that one out. There you go. There you that, go. That's the whole thing. By being God, you can. You can do everything. Everything is possible. And you know, I, I I've said so so often. There, there was on, on Good Friday. Yeah. This is where I break with a little bit of our our, our wonderful okay. Catholic tradition. Yeah. Just to get a little bit, uh, uh, just to, just to add something to it. Yeah. There's a beautiful, beautiful Negro spiritual hymn. Mm -hmm. Were you there when they crucified the oh, Lord? I love that hymn. You know that? Yes. That look. I just I I say it and I get I get goosebumps. Seriously. Power. And. The, the answer to that question, that it's a, what a great question. Were you there when they crucified him? Were you there? Were you at the crucifixion is the question. And the answer is, yes, I was. It, can you imagine 
And I mean this in all sincerity. It's mind-boggling, but I mean it. Charlie Murr and Terry Barber, right. as individuals, were in the mind of Jesus Christ at that moment. Mind-boggling. That's amazing. It, and it's true. Yes. You know what's most important? Yes. That yes. is true. Yes, yes, yes. That's how much. That's how much he loved us. We were there. Were you there when they crucified the Lord, Terry? Oh, yeah. Yes, you were. Well, you know, yes. what, Father, that that is such a. You see, and this is one. Some of the spiritual writers have said one of the reasons people don't give themselves to God is they really don't have the trust that somehow God could take care of themselves. In other words, God really can take care of me. I don't trust that. And it seems to me that when you read the life of Christ, this right here says it all, that not only does he care for you, but that he died on the cross for you, but that he will take care of your needs and he will help you get to eternity with him forever. And that's the purpose and meaning of life. And so I think... He, he, takes, he takes care of us, Terry, yeah. collectively. Collectively, yep. And individually. Yep, yep, yep. And, and this is something the world doesn't get right now because we live in a world that says hey me myself and I, I keep saying that no it's all about turn your life back to christ give it to him and say jesus i've messed up and we all do just get pick get when you fall get up again we messed up in life but we have to ask for repentance because nobody's going to get to heaven without being a repentant sinner father how about a blessing for our listeners please absolutely terry Thank you so much, Father. And folks, go to charlesmurr.com, pick up his books. You won't regret that, that's for sure. And again, I just want to thank all our listeners who support us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Tell your friends, they can always get us on the different media ways, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, and send it to your friends. That's how we spread it. Yep, and I thank Father Murph every week who's here sharing the gospel. Uh, I always say it's an honor to be here sharing the gospel every day here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for allowing us to do Terry, it, it goes both ways, Terry. Amen. Amen. It thank goes you. both ways, yep. believe me. God bless everybody. Appreciate all the work that you're doing. Take care. <laughs>